This is Joe. And this is Ubaldi Brief. And what we're going to talk about was something that ducktailed off what we went off our, off our last podcast when we talked about Joe Biden is potentially wanting to raise taxes. And what I haven't heard in the debate, it's all Senator raising taxes to pay for the $1.9 trillion economic stimulus package and other items they want to do. But I haven't heard anybody on both sides of the aisle talking about curbing federal spending. And I do want to go to that here in a second, but we did want to mention, and I was thinking about it today, that if Donald Trump was still president or if he was reelected, I think it would be very boring, especially this podcast, because we wouldn't have so much to talk about. It'd just be like, it would maybe even be like a Trump fest where we're like, Trump is doing this. Trump is doing that. Trump is doing this. Ever since Joe Biden took over, his administration took over, it just seems like one after the other. It's just well, but Joe, I think the issue is okay. We tend to lean center, but we base it off fact, and we have criticized Donald Trump over certain policy issues. But it seems like Joe Biden, when he's doing, he's coming in, and he's just he's got to take care anything that Trump supported. We got to get rid of anything Trump was opposed. We got to support it. Yeah. And look what's going on down on the border. He got rid of everything that Trump supported on immigration. And we're now seeing a migrant wave, which hundreds and hundreds of migrant children who are unaccompanied coming in. So getting back. Yeah. With that being said, getting back to, yeah, you talked about we're taking all this money, but the other thing is that we need to find a way to curb our spending versus giving out the money. Because right now the debate is centered on they passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus package. They yeah. want to look at, they're looking at anywhere, and they haven't come out in really detailed yet, but they're looking at a $1 to $4 trillion infrastructure package. And now they're looking at, we got to pay for this, so let's raise taxes on the top wealthiest of Americans. Yes. And we talked about the taxes, raising taxes and its impact on the economy and impact on families. And you could look at the historical nature. But it, but if you go back in history, in the 90s, they balanced the budget. Everybody wants to give Bill Clinton credit because he was the president. But I think people are missing the point is in during that period, the first two years of Clinton's administration, he ran as a progressive, lost badly when the House and Senate went Democrat, I mean, went Republican, and then he triangulated to the center. But during that whole period, there was no spending, massive spending on domestic side, and mm-hmm. there was no spending on the military. At the same time, computer technology hit the American economy and money just flowed in. Yeah. But they still never have reigned in spending. Even the Republicans, when they do their tax cuts, they always say, we're going to cut spending. Spending never gets cut. And I don't mean you just cut something, just say you're cutting. We need to reform how the federal government allocates money and how it spends this money. And it just never does that. Businesses over the decades, since the advent of computer and different software, have become more productive but government is still on an antiquated model. And if, like I said before, we started this podcast during the pandemic when everybody had to work from home and federal government sent a, non, a lot of non-essential workers home. If they're non-essential, how many do we really need in today's technological 
So we have Biden, and then it looking like in 2022, there might be a shift in the House and the Senate. And then isn't Biden just coming to the same situation that Clinton did when that happened for him? First of all, we'll have to see where we go. It all depends on the over if they if the Biden really overreaches and pushes a more of a progressive ideology, just like both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama when it was all on health care. If they ram through this progressive ideology, it all depends where the economy is at next year. I think there's going to be a sugar high or a ramp up this year, and then it will all come down because they're looking at doing things on the regulatory side in the executive agencies. The EPA and others are looking at tweaking certain laws as it relates to climate change and its impact on business. But we'll have to see. We really have to see because Bill Clinton... Like I said earlier, he lost both the House and the Senate in 94, but he triangulated to the center. When Barack Obama lost the House in 2010 and the Senate in 2014, instead of, okay, let's moderate our approach and work with the Republicans, he became more progressive and did things by executive order. Yeah. And then what about when the House and the Senate bring bills up to Biden? And then is he going to be in a situation where he has to sign them or is he just going to veto everyone that comes across his desk? It could be like the replication of like when Barack Obama, the last two years of his administration, Republicans controlled the House and the Senate and everything just was sent to the White House and they went into the graveyard. But in deference, when the Republicans did take over the House, the Senate and the executive branch, they always said, we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare with the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, they won't stay on that. But the problem is, every time they do tax cuts, it's like the Kennedy tax cut of 64, even though Johnson was the one that pushes it through because Kennedy was assassinated. Then you have the Reagan, Bush, and Trump tax cuts. It's it's so hard to reduce the size of the federal government. It just gets larger and larger. And now the Democrat, the progressive wing, is floating the idea of reducing the, the Pentagon $700 billion over 10 years so they can transfer that money to spend on their social programs. But I think what they need to do, they really need to get a bipartisan, which I never, I don't see it ever happening in hyper-partisan era we're in, but they need to do a bipartisan approach and looking at every department, every agency and say, do we need this? Yes or no. Like an example, the Department of Agriculture, that's where your food stamps come from. Why is it in there? Shouldn't that be over with health and human services that handles all the other welfare issues? Yeah. We just need to look at things. What do we do to curb our spending or what do the Democrats and Republicans have to do in order to maybe monitor what they're spending when it comes to Well, They just need to look at their own programs. Republicans need to look at the Department of Defense, which we both come from. And obviously, both of us were in the Marines. But if you look at the Army has about 90, I'd say 95% of its equipment is the same in the Marines. They have an Apache, we have a Cobra, and maybe some other weapon systems. But it, it's, it doesn't make sense when the Army has one logistics system and the Marines have another. Our emails are different. It's just a bizarre nature. We need to look at things. I even said on the commissary. Why does the military have a commissary or a grocery store? Shouldn't that either be federalized, get like a Kroger's or Ralph's or something 
that to, to run those and take that billion dollars that's subsidized and put it to where it's it's needed. We need to out we need to refix the uh, procurement system. We got the F-35, the most expensive jet in the world. We can't keep spending these type of billions of dollars. We got to make sure we're spending wisely. But the Democrats, on the other hand, they don't want to cut anything with in the domestic side, and they definitely don't want to reduce the number of federal workers because federal workers are unionized, and that's union money that goes to their coffers that give that pays their political contribution. So that's why we're sitting on the thirty trillion dollars that it's been amped up because of COVID. But if they started to reduce the federal debt, that means interest rates can stay low. The markets would like it because we're getting our fiscal house in order. So if they do a bipartisan approach, keep the business regulations in check, help small business get off the ground because they just got killed. And that's 60 percent of all jobs in America is small business. And you think so, there would be more, you would think to be more pro small business considering that they are enacting this tax hike to people of capital gains tax of 400000 or more. And then that is a big way. The more people that are over that threshold of 400000 a year, that means more taxes go to them for them to do more things. But see, I think the difference for the Democrats is in the last 70 years, only two Democrats have ever been business owners. One of them was Jimmy Carter. He was a farmer. And the other one was Harry Truman before he became a U.S. senator. So every Democrat who runs for public office is a lawyer. They Or they spent their whole year, their whole life in politics. Joe Biden, Joe Biden's the first president in U.S. history that spent more than 15 years in public service. He was a senator for 30 plus years. Yeah. So he doesn't know what the economy is because he had free health care, all these lucrative benefits. So he doesn't understand what the how the economy works on that front. Even like Barack Obama, he always talked about you didn't make that. A government helped you get to that to get your business going. Well, wait a minute. He didn't my business, I put my own sweat equity into it. If my business collapses, I don't get that money back. Yeah. But they need to really look at all these agencies. It's like, as an example, California. I mean, I know I use them as a lot lot because I still follow that. Yes. They have nine agencies that administer, I think, 48 different programs as it deals to the homeless. A couple of years ago, I was on a flight. I sat next to a guy that dealt with the fishery industry. Uh And he monitors probably the Bureau of Land Management. Maybe the interior goes, yeah, but also Homeland Security has a a role in the fisheries industry. How many terrorist salmon do you ever heard of? That, but also they have to count a certain amount of fish in one area that's protected. So it's just the, the spending, it's crazy. But maybe from yours and I's point of view, we could actually start looking at some of those grants and the money that they give away. We could probably find something for ourselves in order to propel this podcast. But it's like there used to be a former senator from Oklahoma, a guy named Tom Coburn, and he used to come out with his wasteful spending every year. And it was like hundreds of billions of dollars. This goes to waste, ineffective programs, or the programs duplicate each other. Nobody knows what this program's doing or what that program's doing, but we're still allocating resources. So if we're going to do things, we need to modernize the federal government into the 21st century, even when they hire 
you got to go to USA Jobs. And a lot of times you get the best employee available at the time because no one's going to sit around for months before you go through the whole process. Yeah. But this is the reason why we're sitting at $30 trillion and this is going to be unsustainable. But the focus is either we got to raise taxes on this group to pay for everything and there's just not enough money. There's money from that group to pay for everything they want. All right. We might go a little bit long with this podcast, but one of the questions that come up for me is that, so you have these politicians that have done very little when it comes to owning their own business and stuff like that. You and I know the value of money because we out there earning it or trying to make it or trying to, trying to get by or use a, you know, make a living. But to the politicians, is this money just like monopoly money or funny money where it's just they'll say, all right, what's two trillion to them is a lot different than two trillion to us. Yeah, I think it is funny, man, because it's somebody else's money. When you're in business like we are and we're trying to get our business off the ground, even if a dollar is we're looking at, where is it going? Many times I'm looking and know we've talked many times, okay. We can't spend here because we need to spend it over here. We got to watch how we allocate our resources. Even how many times in our conversations have we talked about when we start really making money, let's look at how we spend our money and take 10% and invest it back into the company with better upgrade our services and things like that. But government doesn't do that. They just take from somebody else to spend it. And it, they're doing a disservice. And if they, we don't get our economy going, and if inflation goes up, that means interest rates go up. And that means interest on the debt goes up. The interest on the debt right now is about, I think, 250 to $300 billion a year. If interest rates go from 3%, let's say to 5%, that means we're going up to we're paying almost four, five, six hundred billion dollars $600 that could be used for something else. Okay, so last question before we go is who's more, I wouldn't say guilty, but who, what side spends more usually when they're in the majority? Is it the Democrats or the Republicans? It's equally shared. Okay. It's just that the Democrats will spend it on domestic spending and the Republicans typically will spend it on defense, but they equally will spend it on the domestic issue just on their certain groups. Okay. So there's no, but both parties are equally guilty of this. It's just Trey Gowdy, who was a former Republican congressman from, I think, North Carolina said it. The Republicans have no, have no ground to stand on because when they ran things for the last 10 years or so, they didn't talk about anything about cutting the federal spending. Okay. With that, why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can get a hold of us, John? They can get a hold of us by going to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ubaldi Reports. If you go to Facebook, you can go to Ubaldi Report group and you can see us there. But I also, again, like to do a shout out to Heroes Media Group. This is a veteran-owned business that put Ubaldi Reports on their podcast platforms. So we're getting out there to a bigger and broader audience. So I want to thank those who are listening from Heroes Media Group. And just for our listeners' sake, in April, the first week or two of April, we're going to do a soft launch of we're going to stream this podcast on all our social media platforms, and we're going to do a video vlog. That'll just introduce who Joe is and who I am. Both of us served in combat in the Marines. Joe, unfortunately, was wounded in Iraq. 
when he stepped on an IED. And then a week later, we're going to do a official launch of this, the streaming part of the podcast. And that will have to determine what the issue of the day is when we get closer to that event. Now, Joe has something to say what we're also going to be doing in April. Uh, in the beginning of April, we are going to have a uncensored podcast called Ubaldi Reports Unclass. Or sorry, we're going to have a podcast called we're going to have an uncensored podcast called Ubaldi Reports Declassified, where we're going to give you an uncensored and very opinionated perspective on what we think is going on with the current administration as well as stuff that's going on in the world. Keep an eye out for that, and we will keep you guys informed when it is out and ready to go. So, everybody, have a good day. Yeah, keep listening to Ubaldi Brief, and till next time, keep listening and tell your friends and family about it. So, till next time, keep listening.